so much for your goodness, and we pray now, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive all that you have, us, have for us today. Give us grace to lay aside the things that are weighing on us or distracting us so that we can be attentive to you. For we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. One thing I love to do at Thanksgiving is to put you on the spot. And I'm just wondering, if you were to look over the last 12 months, could you name one of the things that you are most grateful for and have the courage to share it out loud, verbally, today? Mina. Sure. Yeah? I had visits from my stepdaughter, and she keeps wanting to visit, and it's wonderful. Visits from your stepdaughter, and it's a good thing. Yeah. Two things. Awesome. (laughs) uh, Isaac. You got to see your nanny and Sarah, Aunt Sarah? Yeah, a lot. Uh, more this year than in the past, eh? Yeah. yeah very... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I heard the threat. Did you? Yeah. Any, anyone else? Yeah, Heather. Health. Health. Beautiful. Health? Health. You're healthy and I'm deaf. Yeah. <laughs> Jeannie? I'm thankful for everyone here at the church today because over the past year I've gone through some stuff physically, mentally, and emotionally, and you guys were all here for me. And I want to thank you for that. Thank you, Jeannie. Anyone else? For this community, this church. The community of this church is a gift. It's great to be able to be in person, hey? Oh, Rachel. You're thankful for God? Beautiful. Thank you. Yes, Austin. To be here? Lovely. We're thankful that you're here. Yeah, Mary. Family. Right on. And Angus? Right on. It's a gift. Angus. You, you've been here for at least a couple years. Yeah. Yes, there's a gift. Right. Yes, Marjorie. Right, yeah. It's very. It's nice that, that Nova Scotia takes it on the chin for us every, every hurricane, eh? Yeah, it's, it's good. Yes. Our family. Family. Right on. Yes, Bob. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. COVID's hopefully on its way out. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Kimberly. Yeah. Yeah. We got to go down to Alma with my family, and you're thankful for that. It's good. Oh, Rachel again. Oh, very nice. And you got the best dad, right? Yeah. Oh, oh, thanks, Rick. Uh, I, I was, uh, anyone else? 
Yeah, I, I had, uh, I was thinking about this the other day, and I had uh, such a blessing, so many blessings, but one, one real blessing this year um, was that I got to go for one final motorcycle trip with my buddy Peter uh, before he died, and, and he had to, this opportunity to say goodbye to everybody before he died unexpectedly, and, and it was, I'm just looking back thinking, God just spoiled me this year because we had that one-on-one time. It was such a gift. And, uh, of course, the family, that's good, too. Yeah. Yeah. But one of the things that is so important for people to do is to be grateful. And do you know that that's why you're here? Yeah. Betsy, you know. I'm thankful for my Bible study group. Your Bible study group. Right on. Me, too. Yeah. Uh, we have, uh, we have been put on this earth to do two things. One is to reflect the character of God around us. And the other one is to praise that God who created us and sustains us. That's why we're here. That's our reason for being. And the problem I think that I see in the world around us a lot of the time is that gratitude has been replaced largely with entitlement. This is my right. I deserve this. I've earned this. And so gratitude is diminished. But a a heart that doesn't have gratitude in it is one that isn't fully healthy or functioning the way it should be. And when we look at the gospel story today, we see 10 people who are healed from a disease, but only one of them is truly made well. And the difference is gratitude. So I'd like to look at the passage today being it's Thanksgiving, we should be looking at thankfulness and just see how is it that gratitude actually shapes us as people and as God's children. Um, Now, Jesus was traveling, and it's important in Luke, when Jesus is traveling, we know that Jerusalem is on the horizon. The cross is before him. And he's going through an area that is uh, very divided, an area where there's Jewish people living and Samaritans living. And so if we were try to, to try to relate to that, we'd say that Jesus was on the Westmoreland Street Bridge. You know? Two different peoples, north and south, and a common animosity one for the other. But he was in this place of division and darkness. And before him is the cross. And in this dark and divided place, ten people come in their need. And they cry out to Jesus and they pray that he would have pity on them. Are, are you, have you ever been in a dark and divided place? Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's life-sucking, isn't it? You just feel listless and sort of drug out. Well, Jesus is in this place. Yes, Isaac. I know a place. You do? It's dark and I'm listless. This is true. So these 10 people come, uh, come to Jesus and they have to stand afar off because they were unclean. They had a disease and it, it's called leprosy. And there's, there was all kinds of rules about this. Um, and we can see here, uh, this is from Leviticus. Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, which is the fashion these days. 
uh, and they let their hair be unkempt, cover their lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean, to keep people far away. As long as they have this disease, they are to remain unclean. They must live alone. They must be outside of the camp. Now, it's hard for us. I think if this was a couple decades ago, we could say that people who were suffering from AIDS could experience this kind of being excluded from the community. Now all you need to do is cough at the grocery store. <laughs> but it's, these people were, it's, this is a horrible thing. This not only disease, but the social implications of it. They were cut off from their community. They couldn't even approach Jesus. They had to call from afar, Lord, have mercy on us. And so Jesus sees them, and he can't lay hands on him, on them, and he doesn't say, you're healed. What does he say? Go and show yourself to the priest. But here's the problem. You would only go and show yourself to the priest if you were cleansed. Because back in the day, priests worked for more than just on Sundays. Right? They didn't just lead in worship. They actually had jobs to do to see who was safe to be in the community and who wasn't. They would inspect houses and see if there was weird mold. They would look at people's skin and say, is this just a rash or is it a, a, you know, a, a disease that is very contagious? It must be nice to have a proper job. Um, <laughs> but they would, they would determine this. But th they would only go to the priest if they had been cured. And I think that there's something really important in this for us. In, in our world, we are told a lot of things, that we're consumers, first and foremost. Uh, we're told what, what our value is based on what we own. Um, we are told that, you know, if you can't really contribute, do something of value, then you don't have much worth at all. And I don't know about you, but when it comes to my, my spirituality, I am often beating myself up in my own head because God hasn't finished me yet. He hasn't healed me completely yet. I still have problems in my heart and my mind, and I want him to heal me. And when I don't have that arrival status, I think I'm not worthy. I don't have enough faith. I'm not good enough. I don't know if you struggle with that kind of thinking too. But what Jesus is saying to these men here is go and act as though you were healed. And it's in the turning and the going that they are healed. And I think the message for us in this is that we do not allow our sickness or what others think of us to define who we are. We have been given status as the sons and daughters of a king. Dearly beloved. Called to be healed. Called to be healers. Filled with his presence. Called to share his light. We don't let our sickness or our sluggishness in, in being transformed slow us down, but we step out in faith and allow God to do what God wants to do. Act as though you are healed, not in denial, but in anticipation. So as they go along, they experience some healing. Now, Here's the symptoms for leprosy. You ready? Did everyone have breakfast? <laughs> not, not all of it's all bad. There's muscle weakness. I can relate. 
Your hands and your feet go numb. You don't feel anything ever because there's nerve damage. Your skin becomes rough and open sores form that will not heal. Pieces of your person start to fall off over time. You go blind. These are the things that are happening. So when we are reading the gospel, and can you imagine being in that kind of state? But as you walk, you notice that feeling is returning to your fingers. That sores that have been open for months are starting to close. Your vision is made clear again. Your limbs become strong again. And as you are going, you realize, I have been healed. It would be remarkable. Now, Jesus told them to go to the priest, and who knows where those nine went? But the one who turns back actually does go to our true priest, to our high priest, Jesus. And he throws himself at Jesus' feet, and he praises God. Um, I was uh, at uh, Journey Wesleyan Church earlier in the week for archery. Uh, That's fun. You know, that's what you do at Journey Wesleyan. And there was a young woman there who was going to nationals, and her, she's just amazing. She could be at the full length of the gym, and they have some, something set up like a gazelle or something, and she can shoot all of her arrows into an area like that, like six arrows like that. And it's incredible. And I look at that and think, you couldn't improve on that. But her coach this week was looking at her like this, and just watching what she was doing. And he said, uh, I know why you're not as accurate as you would like to be. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and it's because when she pulled back on the bow, uh, she was releasing like this with her raising her hand. And that was putting the bow down. He said, you've got to release back and it'll keep it straight. This tiny movement. And I thought, man, when people look at you and they have that critical eye, usually it's to tear you down. But he really wanted to improve her skill. Jesus was looking at this Samaritan as he was coming back with a critical eye because he could see that there was something within him that just pursued the heart of God. And it was gratitude. It was gratitude. Um, Jesus, came, Jesus sees him coming, and Luke says it was a Samaritan. Well, what's a Samaritan? Someone beyond hope. Someone we would write off. Someone who's no good. But Jesus looks at the heart of a person and, and, and just sees this beautiful thing. All these nine people, if I were them, I've got to be honest. I think if I was cut off from my family for who knows how long, that's where I would go. I wouldn't even go to the temple to be declared clean. I would go and get what I've been longing for. And that shows that there's something unbalanced in me. Because at the four is giving praise to God. All right, so Jesus says to him, Jesus acts, we could look at this, Jesus acts even though people didn't appreciate. And that's a wonderful example, and we thank God for that. But he said, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner, a.k.a. heathen, a.k.a. pagan? What a ridiculous term Jesus is using here when he sees the heart of faith in him. So here's the thing. 
how do we develop gratitude in our hearts more and more? I think the first thing is we recognize that we're in need. But we also recognize that Jesus fulfills our need, our need for healing and restoration. But the other thing is to practice praise, to practice thanksgiving, to keep returning to him. That restores our relationship to a proper order with God, but it also increases our intimacy with him. We are called to be thankful people. And I have got a couple verses here that I wanted us to read together because it just captures that we are called to be thanksgiving people every day, not just once a year. Um, but can we, can we read these together? This is from Ephesians. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we don't have a lot of blessings we can recognize in our lives, if we are going through a time of crisis, we can still give thanks that God does not abandon us in that crisis. Give thanks at all times. And this is from 1 Thessalonians. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you are the God who heals us. And so, Lord, I pray for all of us today where we are struggling, where we are experiencing discouragement. I pray that you would make your presence known. And Lord, please fasten our eyes onto you and not on what the world is saying or doing so that we can be filled with your light and be the blessing that you've called us to be in this world and that we would be models of what it is to live gracious and, and uh, grateful lives so that we can worship you in word and in deed and so lift you up that others may see you. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. I invite you to stand with me.